Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'd like to entitle today's message, My Story's Not Over. Look to somebody and tell them, My Story's Not Over. (laughs) Tell somebody else, My Story's Not Over. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, God. Encourage this wonderful congregation. We give you praise for that right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're praying for our friends over in the Houston area. I uh, have talked to some of them today, and they're experiencing some tremendous flooding. We can totally relate to that, right? And uh, I'm just praying for them, and I told them anything we can do to help, let us know. I know you're doing the same thing, and we'll keep everybody posted. Our reading reveals the beginning of a remarkable journey, one that lasted over 100 years. Abram was 75 years old when he was called to leave all that he knew and follow a God that he had just met. And at the end of that journey, when he died, he was 175 years old. A hundred years of walking with God. And it was a remarkable, remarkable journey. God met him right where he was. He was in an idol-making, idol-worshiping community, a family of idol-makers. God called him out of this ordinary life into an extraordinary life. God called him to a higher way of living. God called him to greatness and blessing. Listen to verses 2 and 3. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm talking about a worldwide blessing, Abram. It's coming to you. Abram did not know how this would all work out. Abram did know, however, that he had to follow this voice. He had to follow this God. This was his moment to escape the ordinary. Now, this walking with God was all new to Abram, and he was going to make plenty of mistakes. Hindsight's twenty twenty, But living in the moment, he didn't see the mistakes that he would make in front of him. And from the very beginning, he started making some mistakes. God had said, leave your land and your father's household. Abraham did leave his land, but he drug his father and his father's household along with him. He brought Terah and Haran and Lot. This was what we call partial obedience. I've said it, I've heard it said, and I get it. But this is a harsh criticism when we say this. Partial obedience is disobedience. You ever heard that said? Partial partial obedience is still disobedience. And we push people to obey fully. I get that. But notice Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance And he went out not knowing where he was going. Terah, Haran, 
are not even mentioned. Partial obedience is not even in the sentence. It just says, by faith, Abraham, Abram obeyed. His obedience, the part about leaving his land, is the part that counted at the time. Now listen, don't think for a moment that his obedience was not tied to the fulfillment of the promises that God had made to him. But the Lord was not casting him down because of partial obedience. The Lord was celebrating the peace of obedience that he had adhered to. Amen. And in this newfound faith, God was not slamming Abraham for the part he got wrong. Rather, he was celebrating Abram for the part that he got right. Can I go ahead and say this right now? God will not write you off because of the word that you've yet to obey. Rather, he will rejoice with you over the part that you have obeyed. Amen? God looks at what you have done right. God looks at what you have surrendered. God looks at the trajectory of your heart, the the way you're pointing, and he says, I can work with that. I'm telling you, when our kids are starting to walk, we don't chastise them when they take three steps and fall down and face the wrong direction. We rejoice with them. We go over in front of them. Come come, 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 get back up, get back up. We were in the emergency room with Wesley and Kelly, and Silas was all over the place. I'm just going to tell you straight up, we were trying to entertain him. And so we stole things from the emergency room. I mean, we borrowed them. We borrowed things from the emergency room to entertain Silas. And I don't think any of the staff cared at all. Whatever you got to do, yeah, yeah. Take that machine, you know. Take those, those things. Take, take that stuff. We were trying to entertain, but he would get up and he'd take a couple of steps. Kelly never spanked him and said, you fell down. You only took two steps. You went the wrong direction. No, they didn't do that. They were excited that he took steps in the first place. God is excited when you take steps in the first place. Not the fact that you fall down. He's rejoicing over the fact that you walked in the first place. I love that about God. I love that. He says, I can work with that. Don't get so high and mighty that you think God writes off people who haven't all the way obeyed. If he did that, there ain't a one of us in this house that would have a right to stand in his presence. Lamentations 3 puts it like this. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Abram was new at this. He had never followed the Lord before. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't know what it looked like. But God was changing his heart from a heart of idolatry into a heart of worship for the one true and living God. His heart had been a field of weeds and briars and thistles, but God was recultivating it and repurposing it and turning it into a field of beautiful roses and flowers and fields of grace. Now, don't get me wrong. Terah, Haran, and Lot slowed Abram down. As a matter of fact, he got stuck for a few years halfway between Ur and Canaan. As a matter of fact, he went to the north when he should have gone to the south. He got stuck halfway between Ur and Canaan. 
he had still not arrived to the land where God had called him. He still had no kid, much less a nation, certainly no worldwide impact yet. And during this season, it looked like Abram's dreams would never come to pass. I mean, God, who created the universe, had spoken to him, singled him out, and made extravagant promises to him. And he's following to the best of his ability. But as he does so, and the years start stacking up, he's not receiving what he thought he would receive. It looked like his dreams would never come to pass. But Abram was driven and consumed by those promises. Greatness, blessing, multiplication. He knew he was destined for more. And even though he had temporarily stalled, and it looked like he had failed, and it looked like he had lost, Abram refused to be defined by his delays and his failures and his losses. So many times we get stalled, delayed. We feel like we've failed and we feel like we've lost. And we tend to look at heroes of the faith in the Bible. Brother Barber, or sometimes we look at heroes in our own lives that are super Christians. We, we think they're super Christians. And we think, well, they've never been delayed. They've never dropped the ball. They've never failed. They, they've never stalled out. They've never stumbled. And we, we think that about the super Christians and the heroes of the faith. But I'm going to tell you, again, that's not accurate. That's not true. Every hero of the faith got stuck somewhere at some time. Every hero in your own life, super Christians you've looked to, they have dropped the ball. They failed at certain times. Let me give you some Bible characters. Just ask Adam, right? King of the fall, right? Ask Eve. Ask Noah. Ask David. Ask Elijah. Ask Jonah. Ask Peter. Ask Mark. Ask Paul. But they did not delay. Let that delay or failure or loss define them. And and you can't let a bad season or a mistake or a failure or a delay define who you are. Even if it's because of your own partial obedience, even if it is your own fault, you have to say, I may have partially obeyed. I may have gotten stuck halfway. I may have wasted some time. But my story is not over. This is not the end. This is not the end of my story. There's a new chapter to be written. I'm going to turn the page and let God start writing this new chapter. As a matter of fact, here's what great faith looks like in the face of delays, in the face of seeming failures, in the face of seeming losses. Great faith like a phoenix rises up and said, I still believe the Word of God. I still believe the promises of God. I know He's got a plan for me, and I'm not stopping. Give Him some praise. Can you do it? God's not finished with me yet. I am who He says I am. I can do what He says I can do. I can have what He says I can have. Isaiah 61.3 says, He gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and He'll establish us like trees of righteousness. I might not be there yet, but baby, I'm headed that way. Joel 2 says, He'll restore the years that the locusts and the canker worm have eaten. I wish somebody would hear me today. Your best days are not behind you. God has sent me here to tell you, your story's not over. Hey, Samson, your story's not over. 
Hey, Gideon, your story's not over. Hey, Bathsheba, hey, Rahab, hey, woman at the well, hey, woman caught in the act of adultery. I know a man from Nazareth named Jesus, and he's writing in the sand the next chapter of your life. He's got dreams he's put in your heart, and he's going to see to it that they come to pass. Finally, Abram did move on. Finally, he spent some time in Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, he was not a good little boy. I get so aggravated with the good little boy image expected in Christianity. Now, I believe we should behave. I believe we should put aside the works of the flesh. I do agree with those scriptures. But listen, hey, we're on a journey. There's a lot of mistakes in this room. There's a lot of mistakes been made recently. There's a lot of mistakes in this walk. This whole good boy image, I never make a mistake again. Something's wrong with that, my brothers and sisters. That's why we need the grace of God. Because we make plenty of mistakes and plenty of errors. We fail plenty of times. But those failures and errors and mistakes, they don't define who we are. I'm a child of the Most High God. He loves me with an everlasting love. He wasn't a good little boy in Egypt. As a matter of fact, Sarah, and I don't understand this, but his, his wife, Sarai, at the time was her name. She was a, a, a knockout, apparently. She was stunning. Now, what blows my mind is now she's approaching 70. And Abram's afraid that Pharaoh will want to marry his lovely beautiful 70-year-old wife. Now, I know 70-year-olds that are beautiful. I'm just saying, you think of Pharaoh and his harem, and he's looking through the crowd, and he says, I'll take this 70-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, And again, hey, I'm, I'm moving on up, right? I, I, uh, no criticism, just an observation, interesting observation. And Abram is like, he, he's going to want my wife. And you know what? He said, so listen, honey, let's make a deal because he'll kill me to get to you. We're brothers and sisters. We're, you're my sister. So they go along with this scheme. And sure enough, she was a knockout because Pharaoh was like, I'll take her. And so he gets her over into his harem. And what happens is all of a sudden a plague breaks out. In Pharaoh's household. And he starts freaking out. He can't stop this. His magicians and his his healers, his doctors can't fix this. And he realizes it must be the new girl. And then he finds out she's married to Abram, the guy that has claiming that the Lord has talked to him and blessed him. And he goes to him and he says, listen, uh, why did you lie to me? I mean, I'm having all kind of grief. Now, Abram was lying like a rug out of fear. Here's a man that the God of the universe had given direction, put dreams in his heart, and he gets in a strange place, and he begins to lie. It's, it's just, it, he's fearful. He's walking in fear. And yet, God protected Sarai and Abram and Abimelech. And honestly, the Pharaoh, what he was doing was, God was working around Abram's mistakes and missteps because God was more determined than Abram to see to it that his word came to pass. Now listen to me. Some of you 
like Abram, perhaps you compromised your integrity. Maybe you were afraid and, and you, you, you were just trying to survive. It doesn't mean that what you did is right. But I'm here to tell you, God is more determined than you are to see that the promise He's, he's spoken over you come to pass. The Word says He watches over His Word to perform it. God is not a man that He should lie. Listen, your story's not over. There's a chapter beyond the fear that you've walked in and the season of fear and compromise. He has something that He is determined to bring to pass in your life. I love the fact that through the good times and the bad times, Abram is holding on sometimes by the skin of his teeth to that dream that God put in his heart. What about this blessing you spoke over me? What about this increase you spoke over me? What about having a son and greatness and a nation? What about those dreams? And then God decided, I'm going to put it in a language that Abram can understand. It originated, this language, in the Garden of Eden, actually, when God killed the animals and covered Adam and Eve in those bloody skins. This is the beginning of covenant. He cut a covenant with them. He swore some things to them. God said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, the proto-evangelium. It was that first mention of the good news of the gospel, that the Savior was coming, and he swore it. The blood was shed. The animals were killed. The idea was this. God was saying, if I don't come through on my end of the promise, then let me become as one of these animals and cease to exist. That became something that mankind picked up on and used in relationships with each other. We have contracts, but ancient men and women had covenants. Now, your homeowners association has covenants, and sometimes I think they do want blood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the, the, the contracts that we have today are not as stout as the covenants. There would be two tribal leaders that would cut animals and shed blood and mingle the blood and say, we died to our individual selves and we've become one and we live for the union. We live for the covenant. Your enemies are my enemies. My enemies are your enemies. God had spoken that to Abram. I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. That's covenant language. But then he comes down after his season of compromise and fear and he says, I'm going to put it in a language that you understand. He said, take for me some animals and divide them in half. And so in Genesis 15, you see where he's cutting these animals open. He's laying them open. Birds come and try to eat them up. And, and Abram shoes them away, keeps the vultures away. And then a, a, a coma, a sleep, a deep sleep comes over Abram. And the Lord comes down as a, a fire and moves between the pieces. And he's swearing an oath with Abram. My covenant is between me and you and your seed after you. I swear you're going to have... Uh, children like the stars in the sky, like the sands of the seashore. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to do the great things I promised to you. I swear it in this language, you understand, this covenant language. And Abram gets up, and you know he had to feel like a million bucks. You know, like when you ink that big deal, Phyllis, on that piece of real estate, you get those signatures and that contract is set in stone, and you're like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Well, really, it's never set in stone till you leave the attorney's office at the closing, at the settlement. And you walk out of there, and it's like, done. 
Abram comes out of this sleep and he knows that God has sworn and given him a contract, a covenant. And you would think he would be walking on sunshine, you know, like, yeah. Me and God, we've got a covenant. Got a blood covenant. My enemies are his enemies. But you know what he does? Immediately following, nothing has happened. Time is running out. Sarah can no longer have children. And the clock is ticking on Abram. And out of desperation, and at the suggestion of Sarah, he goes for a convenient distraction, a man-made solution. And Abram marries Hagar, this Egyptian handmaiden, and Ishmael is born. And this ends up not being the solution. As a matter of fact, a few years into this, because of the conflict that was unleashed in his house because of this tragic mistake, he has to send Hagar and Ishmael away. The Lord blesses them, takes care of them, but that was not the answer. Again, he had failed. Again, he had lost. Even after this powerful covenant experience with God. But he didn't let that failure He didn't let that loss define him as a failure and as a loser. In desperation, when there was no way that he or Sarah could have a kid, he cries out to God. God meets him, and he says, Where is the promise, Lord? I've made mistakes. Remember, he had been new at this walk. He's been walking it now for 25 years. And it seems like all doors have closed and there is no way. Well, God then begins to talk to him and actually changes his name from Abram to Abraham. And in covenant, we have the exchange of names. You see this in wedding ceremonies, right, Drew and Kayla? You see this in wedding ceremonies where the name is exchanged. I know they don't always do it anymore, but in general, you have the name exchange. I take your name or she took my name. It was that name exchange. And so the Lord says, I will be known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you will be known as Abraham, Abraham, part of the name Jehovah or Yahweh was imparted and added to Abram's name, he got the H-A or the V-A-H-A or V-A-H, a part of Jehovah's name attached to his, Abraham. And what he couldn't do in his own strength with God, all things became possible. And 25 years into his walk with God, God gave him Isaac. This is very important. Listen to this. The reason God didn't write off Abraham 25 years earlier when he had failed and lost and dropped the ball or 15 years earlier or even five years earlier is because God knew this man is going to grow up in me. He's going to learn some lessons, some of them the easy way, some of them the hard way, but he will become the man 
that I am making him. As a matter of fact, check this out. God knew 25 years ago that he would have to change his name from Abram to Abraham. When the Lord spoke to Abram, he said to the man named Abram, I will make your name great. His name was going to change 25 years down the road. Abram didn't know that. He didn't understand that. Abram did not know what was waiting on him, really. He didn't know what was inside him. He didn't know the investment that God was making in him. He didn't even know the name that he would be given. I'm telling you, there's some people in this house today, you have no idea what's in you. You have no idea the greatness and the blessing that God's put in you and He's spoken over you and declared over you. Scripture says, eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Listen, you may have had partial obedience. You may have had stalls and falls and mistakes, but God's not condemning you. He's not throwing stones at you. He's going to give you a fresh start. The process has prepared you for this moment. Give him some praise. Can you do it? I got good news. The process has prepared you for this moment. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. There was a shift at 99 uh, years old in Abram's life. A shift, and within 90 days of the shift, the promise came to pass, and Isaac was born. Isaac's name does not mean sorrow. It does not mean disappointment. It does not mean wasted time. We have talked about poor old Enosh in the book of Genesis whose name means what? Death doomed. He got the name death doomed. We talk about him 6,000 years later. What was his mom and dad thinking? We're going to call him Enosh. I don't think we should have had this one. Let's call him death doomed. Call him death doomed. Isaac is born after much loss. After much disappointment, after much failure, and his name does not mean disappointment, failure, loss. His name means laughter. Oh, rejoice not against me, O oh my enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. Stand with me right now. The Bible says that the devil tries to stop the plans of God from coming to pass. And what's it say in Psalm 8? It says, and the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. He just laughs and laughs. Uh, though he tarry, listen, yet he will fulfill his word. It may be a long time in coming, but he's watching over that word to make sure that it comes to pass. He is not a man that he should lie. He will see to it that it comes to pass. And when it does, he's just laughing it up. <laughs> you thought you could stop me, but you couldn't stop me. I want to encourage somebody. I'm excited. I'm yelling and screaming. I want to encourage somebody today. The enemy thought he could stop you through those trials and disappointments and setbacks. The, the devil thought he could stop you when you were walking the wrong direction. 
when, when, you were, when you were stumbling and fumbling around and losing stuff and some of it was your own fault and your own making. Some of it wasn't, but some of it was. And the devil's like, I got him. I got him. But I want to encourage you, let that faith like Abraham rise up in you that says, no, I'm not going to stop. I once heard a preacher say, speaking of healing of the physical body, he said, I want to believe in the Lord's provision of healing for me so strong that if I die and I wake up in glory the next moment, I'm going to lift my hands and say, see, I told you I was healed. I love that kind of attitude. I'm not stopping short. I'm not backing up. I'm not going to be held back by some of my own mistakes. I'm going to walk on. I'm telling you, God knows how to redeem the years. God knows how to undo all that junk. God knows how to give you a fresh start. How can you unscramble eggs? I have no idea, but God can. God can. Idol maker, stumbling and fumbling, and here we are talking about him today. Jesus is called the seed of Abraham. Not to seeds as in many, Paul said, but seed as in one. And Christ is that seed. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I'm telling you, we have an ancient faith and an ancient flow in this house today. If you've thought about giving up, you need to start thinking a different way. God's got a fresh start for you. If you'd bow your heads with me right now.